0: Well, some of you know the first meeting I had when I became mayor of San Francisco in 2004 was convening the Disaster Council, a council that hadn't met in 10 years. Uh, since then, we have done a lot to improve our emergency preparedness and our ability to respond uh, in an emergency in a way that distinguishes the unique nature uh, of our surroundings here in San Francisco, the Bay Area, and California. Uh, with that, I wanted to share with you some of the accomplishments in 2008 and some of the proposals and programs moving in into the new year. One of the big areas we have invested in is is updating all of our emergency operation plans, including organizing the first regional emergency operation plans in California history. This was with support of a $2.2 million homeland security grant. And this is a 10-county emergency plan that connects the opportunity for our counties to look at each other in terms of mutual aid, to look at each other in terms of support services, to look at each other uh, in the context of understanding the unique character and relationship that we have from our fire departments and our respective police departments, as well as emergency communication strategies and the like. That plan is now completely done. Uh, The leadership of Mayor Dellums, the leadership of Mayor Reed in San Jose has gotten it to the next level. Now the key is to train off those exercise or that plan and to begin to organize exercises around that plan that can make it more intuitive uh, when not if there is a disaster and an emergency so that we're not picking up pieces of paper and learning what to do, that we've done enough exercises that we actually know uh, from a more intuitive perspective how to do it based upon the uniqueness of the plan. So that's the most important thing I think that's been accomplished in the last few years uh, in our city because it connects. Other cities to our fate and future. Uh, Earthquake does not happen in isolation. It doesn't just happen in San Francisco. It won't just happen in San Jose. It won't just happen in Oakland. Earthquake will affect the entire region. Mutual aid, making sure assets in one community can be augmented by assets in another community is all part of the principles of this regional emergency plan. We've also invested a tremendous amount in the last couple of years. In addition to updating our all hazards plans and updating our emergency plans and organizing around this regional plan, we've also invested in up upgrading a facility, our emergency operations center. We have invested in uh, our personnel, invested uh, in making sure uh, that we have organized all of our efforts in a much more collaborative manner between departments that in the past didn't necessarily feel part of our emergency planning in our city. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. We've gotten the siren systems. We have 78 warning sirens up, and we're still testing them. It will always be in a test phase because they'll never be perfected. Those are the Tuesday at noon sirens of people here out in San Francisco. How many cities have those sirens? We're very lucky to have them, and they have voice capacity as well, which is something important, and we'll continue to make the improvements on them. Uh, We have... uh as I said, a renovated emergency operations center, uh, which is state-of-the-art that we have actually utilized in training uh, drills so that we actually will have the capacity to invite in mutual aid and actually have physical environment uh, for people to communicate and collaborate. Remarkable, as it sounds, that didn't necessarily exist uh, just a couple of years ago. We continue to meet uh, on our uh, disaster council uh, on a quarterly basis. We've expanded the membership of that disaster council, and we have, as a region, received almost $206 million uh, from our uh, Suwazi grants, from our super urban area investment area grants, uh, which is a significant amount of money for our region to make sure that we're collaborating, uh, to make sure that our region uh, is prepared uh, for a major uh, disaster. Uh, we've also invested uh, in dollars to Advanced training exercises uh, that are more uh, focused uh, and more deliberative. 73 training exercises since January 2004. 28 have been action-based, uh, and a number of them been discussion-based. Discussion-based just means we'd be in an office-like setting and we'd be talking about scenarios. The other ones where we're actually out in the field and we're playing those scenarios out in more real-time uh, and more realistic environment. We've developed a quarter- a greater public-private partnership with community-based organizations, with faith-based organizations, with uh, nonprofits like the Fritz Institute to make sure that uh, we're more engaged uh, in the activities and training uh, that must occur and need to occur in the private sector, not just the public sector. And we continue our unique program, the Neighborhood Emergency Response Team program. 17,000 people have been trained since the 89 earthquake um, uh, with the NERT program. We continue to make investments in that. We continue to fight for more federal funding for our NERP program. Uh, and we actually had a drill uh, just a few weeks ago uh, that uh, was very successful um, uh, for our NERP program. One of the other drills that was a big success was the first citywide drill uh, that we've ever had. 177,000 people participated in this drill. First citywide earthquake drill occurred on October 21st. We had city departments, and that was self-explanatory. But again, businesses, the schools, and the school district, a big part of that plan. Nonprofits, as I mentioned, and others addressing the needs uh, of dealing with the realities post-earthquake. The school district itself... I uh, was very engaged. I had a chance to actually go out uh, to one of the schools and see firsthand some of the work they're doing. I want to thank Carlos Garcia for his support. We hadn't candidly seen that kind of support in the past in our public schools. We've seen it as well now in our private schools. But this is fundamental to our uh, emergency planning, is making sure we have these partnerships uh, strongly uh, advanced in those public schools. We also advanced Another training exercise uh, just uh, recently, right after that earthquake, a uh, drill exercise on the 21st. Two days later, we did the Silver Sentinel. This was those 10 care, uh, 10 Bay Area counties working off that regional emergency operation plan. We uh decided to train off a Hayward fault, an earthquake. Uh, we simulated uh, resource and supply uh, and infrastructure failure and shortages. We uh, dealt with um, um, observers from both the federal government as well as state agencies, not just our respective local uh, governments as well. So a very successful exercise, a recent exercise. Uh, we also exercised soft building collapse. And what these soft story building collapses are is example right here. Uh, this. As a reality, I lived down in the Marina District, uh, 15 Rico Way, uh, during the 89 earthquake. Just around the corner, down the block, uh, were a number of these buildings. These are the soft stories that literally collapsed. they just knees of these buildings, buckled. Um, We saw these housing units that were made uninhabitable during the Loma Priya earthquake, 7,700 of them. Uh, During the Northridge earthquake, 34,000 of them. We're advancing an initiative locally to improve our efforts to retrofit soft stories. We had some trouble at the Board of Supervisors this year. We're going to look forward to working with the board again to address some of their concerns and move forward. But this is an area we must do more and do better. We frankly haven't done enough to protect the soft stories. We've got legislation. We've signed an executive order. Uh, We're making progress. Uh, This is something very, very important to all of us in the region. We're actually fast-tracking permits. We want to waive some permit fees for folks uh, that want to get their retrofit of their soft story structure done as well. Nothing, though, is more important than this slide right here, 72hours.org. If you listen to nothing else, please go now, online, get rid of this tape, don't pay any more attention, and check out 72hours.org. The reality is you're going to be on your own in a major catastrophe and in a major emergency for at least 72 hours. The fact remains that you need to be prepared. You can't just count on police and fire. You just can't count on National Guard. You can't count on uh, the folks in the White House, even the new folks in the White House coming in and FEMA saving the day. So you have to have your own emergency strategy, where your kids are when uh, they're at school and you're at work and your phone lines go down and you can't communicate, how do you communicate, Uh, where where are you going to meet up, Uh, what kind of food do you have beyond just a few cans of tuna and a few bottles of water, what have you done with all of your your passports, your uh, social security cards, what have you done with the children's birth certificates, have you actually made copies of them, did you make copies and actually put them in someone else's home outside the region or you just put them in another drawer when you may have. house that collapsed, that's not going to help you much. What are you doing to be prepared? 72hours.org, a national success story. It's been replicated in cities across the state. Won the Webby Award is one of the best uh, emergency uh, websites of its type. I please, I can't impress upon you more to check out the website and become disaster prepared. Another thing we've been doing is working with neighborhood groups, uh, working to empower neighborhood organizations and neighborhood leaders uh, to augment the neighborhood emergency response teams, to augment some of our local initiatives. Uh, and that is uh, something that we're going to keep doing more of uh, with organizations to build networks for disaster recovery, not just response, but recovery. Once we come back and we learned a lot from the example in New Orleans about recovery, what not to do and what to do in some cases. We need to have recovery plans in place now. We can't put recovery plans together from City Hall. They need to be neighborhood-based, just as our... Economic investment plans are neighborhood-based. Our recovery plans need to be neighborhood-based as well. And through our neighborhood empowerment networks and through our city administrator's office, we're making a lot of progress to do just that. I mentioned the Super Urban Area Security Initiative. That's the $206 million we've received in the last few years, which I'm proud of. Uh, You can see that we're coordinating more than ever, as I noted. And uh, one of the areas where we need to coordinate more is interoperability. Uh, This is just basically picking up the phone. Uh, in some cases, people prefer a phone, literally, uh, versus a walkie-talkie or other communication equipment because you go into one community with a system, it doesn't collaborate or connect with another community's system. Uh, you have a lot of fires in California. A lot of firefighters are going down there, they're just throwing out their uh, emergency equipment and they're just using their cell phones to communicate. That's how bad our interoperability is in the state of California. We have a new uh, interoperability plan working with Mayor Dellums, who's been outstanding on this. 700 megahertz strategy and that's a big part of our investment and a big part of our push with the subsequent dollars coming from the uh, super uh, urban uh, area security grants. Take a look just at local funding. I mentioned the $206 million in regional funding. Here's the money San Francisco has received since 0405, $139.8 million. We've been very aggressive going after this money. We'll continue to be aggressive. We peaked last year at 34. We're doing a little bit better than the previous year, Uh, but uh, this year in the new fiscal year, 30 million. It's good, not great. Uh, We're gonna continue to advocate uh, because we, again, live in an area where Mother Nature's fury uh, is felt every once in a while and felt in acute ways. uh ever so often, a little too often. And of course, man-made disasters are still a big part of the lexicon of our life post 9-11, and we need to reconcile the fact that we live uh, on a bay, we live on a coast, uh, we live in a city that is an iconic city, and we're not immune from man-made threats as well. Uh, So a lot of those dollars have been invested in making sure we're prepared uh, and we're ready. So emergency planning is a big part of what we've done in the last few years in the city, what we'll continue to work on uh, for years to come. I'll make one final point and that is our new 311 center is now also acting as a backup 911 center. The biggest threat I think we have in terms of communication outside emergency personnel utilizing uh, through an interoperable system uh, their communication equipment is the ability for people to pick up their phone if it indeed actually works and call in to get an emergency response when the system will be overwhelmed and overrun with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of calls all at the same time. If that System collapses the 911 call center. We now have a backup in the 311 call center. Still though, It is inadequate to deal with the surge needs, and this remains an outstanding issue, one that we also are focused on moving forward, is addressing a redundancy to our redundancy, is addressing the communications challenges uh, when we do experience a major earthquake, when we do experience a disaster uh, unimagined, uh, but indeed uh, an uh, an emergency that we need to be prepared for. So we're making progress, a lot of work to be done, uh, but I think we're in much better shape than we've been in a number of years.